everyone. Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I'm sitting here with someone you know and love, Greg Fitzsimmons. And uh, just just a second ago, he said to ask him if he ever fucked a black girl. So um, I don't know where that was going, but I'm eagerly awaiting. You know, I really thought you'd finesse that more. I no, thought I it would come like- up in conversation and it wouldn't, I, you know... Now it seems like I'm the white guy that wants everybody to know that he had sex with a black girl. It, I that wasn't my initial. My initial All thought right. wasn't. It's oh, just, he's that guy. My initial thought was, um, let's see how you work your way out of this one. All right. Well, listen. I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly what I do. I'll. I'll it. It came out of a party. I went to a party with my wife recently, and there was a woman there, African American. And she came up to me, and it took me a second to recognize her, and then I remembered her, and she was a uh, a waitress at a comedy club up in Boston that I used to go to a lot, mm-hmm. and we had a torrid romance. I was living in New York, and I would go up there, and we would flirt. She was really, really hot, like buxom. You know how black women can get. Sure. And uh, Don't I, though. And... Uh, <laughs> We would make love in cars and rooms and places. and Wow, that is torrid. How long did it go on? It's, oh, you know, six months to a year, I would mm-hmm. imagine. Really cool chick. And then, um, so then she's at the party. She's at a, she's at a party. It's a running charades party at, uh, <laughs> I feel like we're being competitive about our volume now. <laughs> we both keep turning I up know. our volume. Okay, all right, small <laughs> tangent. So here's the deal. Normally, my producer, Jeff, I don't know why I just, I mean, everyone knows who Jeff is, but if, but potentially new listeners don't. Normally my producer Jeff is here to handle all the, the engineering and, and whatnot, but we're doing this sort of last minute on a weekend. Jeff doesn't work on the weekends, so I'm handling it. And, um, we tried to set the levels before we started. And my concern is that Greg is just naturally a little more booming than yeah. I am, I think. And it's your so, podcast, so you should be slightly louder than me by the well, NPR I want us model. To be this, I guess you're right. I wanted us to. I want us to be the same. Yeah. But I feel like the way we said it, you might be I'm a little put louder. Yours up a touch. No, I already, I already did that. I already did, did it. I did. Okay. Yeah. Because so as you were telling your vaguely racist and yet racy story, it's actually not really racist. Well, I don't. I, said I don't that, know. I if said it black is. women can be buxom, which I don't think is. Uh, I think that's the same thing as saying that Asian people can have different shaped eyes. You know, mm-hmm. I think that uh, the the uh, buttocks on an African American woman can tend to be a little bit more uh, full. Is that is that what you meant by buxom? We are and both, the breasts. We are so loud right now. I mean, in my ears. Yeah. No, let's leave it though. Because, no, I think it's good. Okay. I think it's rich. Um, I think the part that's vaguely racist is just talking about a whole group of people. In sort of a in, well, in a shorthand way. Well, that's the problem with America today, and I don't want to be okay. one of those guys that says that's America problem with America today. You are in the red now, right, as I, am I. All right, I'm going to back off a little bit. Okay, How's yeah, that? that's perfect. Because now do your rant. Is because it's you know why is it that I have to be describing Sarah in uh, Sioux Falls, Iowa, who's black and has a small butt? Why is it that that exception negates me making any statement whatsoever about race? And the the truth is, black women tend to have bigger lips, bigger butts, bigger tits. Hence, I am more attracted to them. Don't don't take the Jews out of this. 
Love the Jew broad. <laughs> married one. I didn't know your wife was Jewish. She's half Jewish. Okay. But fuller lips, fuller butt, right. tits. You've seen my wife. I have. She's curvy. Yes. I actually, actually, I feel like it was dark when I met your wife. She doesn't, she doesn't flaunt it. She doesn't wear tight clothes. Right. You got to see her naked. Oh, I would love to. I have photos on my phone. You want to see? Okay. I don't. <laughs> I just want to know if you would you, know. I know, I know. I was seeing how far we were going to go with that. So anyway, in the, I, in my, I don't feel like, it, I actually don't feel like what you were saying is racist. Let me give you a race and you tell me some generalizations about that no, race. We've done Physically. this before. You know that I don't, like to, you know I don't like to do this. We have done, we've gone down this road. We literally yeah. have gone down this road before and I, I was like, can we please change the topic? Um, Okay, so in the midst of you of what you were saying, which I no longer think is racist, I just think it's it's, it's shallow. In the ball. No, no, I feel like it's honest. Yeah. Um, you turned yourself up a notch, so then I'm like, oh boy, then I have to turn myself up a notch. Yeah. And and then it was just a volume arms race, right? So now, are we feeling good with where we are? I'm backed off from the mic a okay. little bit, which I think will help. All right. Um. Anyway, the point is, this girl's at the party. Okay. And uh, not Sarah, because Sarah has a small butt. She's got a little, little white ass. Mm. <laughs> and so I see her at the party, and we connect. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I remember you." And I get kind of excited because it was a time in my life that was really exciting. Hot, yeah, it was hot. I was like, you know, single and ready to mingle. And I was like, I was having the sets of my life because I was at that time when. It was like a young buck in the spring knocking mm-hmm. antlers with another one. Like I was full testosterone. And when I went up on stage, it was a fist fight with the crowd. And right. I was winning. And I was coming off stage, practically jumping up and down, making intense eye contact with other human beings. This is like, like an amazing see that? vignette that you're, that you're and then And then I would take this young woman out and make love to her with reckless abandon. And... It was always there for me. You know, it was always just like she was there. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe we even exchanged phone numbers. (laughs) And uh, anyway, so here she is at this running charades party. And um, we we have a very nice time. And then I don't tell my wife. You don't. Interesting. It is interesting. So then we go to another party. Uh... Wait, but did you did you talk to this woman or just you yeah. Didn't, yeah okay you talked yeah, to, talk to her yeah. we strolled down memory lane we didn't mention anything like romantic but right. just remember those times those days was she with a guy no mm-hmm. and then I went to this uh, other party similar group of friends and uh, she'd been she's been sort of introduced into the group of friends and then I talked to her and then I said to my wife on the way out oh I used to date that girl and she's like oh okay and she felt a little weird about it. Mm-hmm. And then I said, yeah, we, I saw her at the party at uh, the other party last month. She's like, why didn't you tell me? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't think it was that big a deal. And it really kind of wasn't that big a deal. Like it wasn't something I felt like. Like part of me felt like by telling her, it was me going like, yeah, see that girl? I fucked that girl, you know? Mm, right. And I felt like it was unnecessary. And I didn't realize that she would be now being brought into the circle. A little bit. It's really interesting. Was um, I wrong? To not have told her. Was she upset that you didn't tell her at the time, or was she upset that she didn't know about this piece of your dating oh, history? Oh, no, no. She doesn't care about she my doesn't. dating history. 
She thought she thought it, she got jealous. It was really kind of cool. I mean, it was like <laughs> the whole ride home. It was like it got hot. It mm-hmm. got you know, and then it got silent. And then there was a makeup, which was warmly embraced on both ends. It was like, oh, we just had a little thing right. about being jealous. Right. And then I gave it to her the high, hard way. <laughs> oh, did I? And who was I thinking of? Who was I thinking of? Cin- not Cindy. The other one. Yeah. You haven't said her name. Maybe it's for the better. Probably better. <sighs> Were you wrong? I want to say... N- Look, I'm identifying with both sides of this. I want to say no. Because I have done the same thing. Mm. Um, however, I, here, here's, here's uh, why I'm a hypocrite. Because there are people that my husband has met um, that I have been involved with. And I haven't told him because it feels like it was so many years ago. And if I tell you, it's just going to make you feel weird or me look like a slut. So... I don't really see the point of it feels weird to like make a whole lap around it to mention it at the same time by not mentioning it. Then it seems sketchy. Well, you're interesting because you really have this like before after. Thing <laughs> I in really your life, do. Yeah. And you slut shame yourself about it. I do. I do. Um, I do. Because honestly, if I were to say to him that guy you met, I was involved with him at one point, it would just never end. <laughs> Really? <laughs> I mean, no, I'm kind of joking. But there was a, you know, when I lived in Costa Mesa um, and when I go. played in a band, oh, yeah. there was a pretty, like, large-ish but tight-knit group of people. And I lived there for five years. And so eventually you just kind of date everyone. Mm-hmm. I'm exaggerating. It's I did not date everyone. But there's like, you know, so when we go to visit my Orange County friends... There's a lot of them who've seen various parts of me. Yeah. Not all. They ha- they have not seen all of me. But and I'm just saying, like, I've made out. Well, yeah. wait, do we, f- is making out something you should mention or are we only talking sex? I would say oral or better. Were there mm-hmm. some of these gentlemen that you performed oral sex with but did not have intercourse with? Yes. <laughs> Isn't that weird? And I bet you none of, the, I bet you that you didn't have a single guy goes down on you and you don't have intercourse experience. Isn't oh yeah, weird? no, I do though. I you do. do? I, that's what I'm thinking of right now. Really? Yes. Yes. That's so rare and, and wild. And oh, oh boy. This was okay, so it was my moving to New York party. Uh and I did not throw this for myself. And there was a guy who I'd always been friends with, but had kind of a we used to bump heads a lot. Bump heads? Does that sound mm, right? Sounds dirty. <laughs> Wait, what is the actual phrase? Yeah, bump bump he- heads. Okay. It sounds so wrong to me right now. Um, lock horns. I mean, what have you. We just, he really would rub <laughs> rub me the wrong way. <laughs> but that night he rubbed me the right way. <laughs> we would get into weird, I, there's no one in my life that I have that kind of relationship anymore. This, that, I mean, like what you were talking about, the season of your life yeah. earlier, this was really that for me where... I would just, you know, we'd be like driving to a show up in LA and get into some crazy debate on the way there. There's no one now where I have a like, oh, he really drives me crazy, but I also enjoy his company. There's, I don't have, everything's calm now. But so anyway. Um, Maybe you got that out of your system with a guy named Adam Carolla. <laughs> 
Adam and I didn't really get into... He, he's not a fun person to get into a debate with. Mm. Have you noticed? Or do you enjoy it? No, I enjoy it. You do? Yeah, because I feel like um, I'm a screaming liberal. Mm. And, I, you know, I don't know if he calls himself a conservative, but there's issues that we go head to head with. And I dig in, and I don't know that a lot of people do. So I think he finds it refreshing. Right. Yeah, I guess I think there's certain people that perhaps he would allow that from. And I just quickly found the minute that we were on opposite sides of things, it didn't feel fun. Mm. It felt like, um, uh-oh, he's upset. Uh-oh, uh-oh, funny topic. Let's think of something funny, you know. Um, so anyway, though, the guy who rubbed me the wrong and the right way, um, I didn't. I did not see it coming. Jesus. <laughs> I know. And then it's just like a mad lib. I know. <laughs> then on the last the last hurrah, all of a sudden there we are. Um in a hotel room? No, at in a room at my friend's apartment. And then uh my roommate was getting ready to go and she couldn't find me. <laughs> and she just opened the door to see this guy going down on me. Yeah. And it was incredibly humiliating for all parties involved. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a fun memory. But that did My husband did, doesn't know but didn't know about that. Does he know now? Well, if he listens to this, he's he's actually home as we're recording this, but I don't think he can hear us. Okay. He might be able to hear you cuz you're loud. But I would say that the that the 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 act of uh, sex did not end organically there whereas with a with a man if you, if you are performing oral on a man, mm-hmm. very often, not very often, but often, it can end with that. Whereas with women, right. it's almost always a precursor to intercourse. Yes. Yes, except that I, back then, had more of a like, if I have sex with you, that's a big ordeal. So I was more of a like, I'm more comfortable with everything but... Not the butt. again. Not the butt. Again, <laughs> I can't help this it. This is crazy. I can't help it. Wait, but so, but that being said, are you are you then orally reciprocating on that, or is it ever a freestanding one way fellatiotis on Alisonis? Can fellatio be por- be performed on a woman? I believe so. Cunnilingus. Cunnilingus. Yeah. No, it just kind of linged my way, if I remember correctly. Wow. Maybe I, I know. It's weird. It wasn't like that was the thing that happened often, but that is my recollection of that. You know, maybe I was really missing the signs, though, because I feel like there are some guys who are like, I'm so generous. I'm such a giver. Let me do this for you. But really, they're, they're thinking, let me do this for you, and then you can get me back. And I just yes. be like, okay, bye. Bank in one. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I was uh no, I was not afraid to uh throw one on a girl, mm-hmm. give it to her, and walk away. I th- kind of found that to be kinky. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I liked anything to do with the genitals at all. Any involvement. Now you say liked. I imagine you still do though, right? Perform oral? Oh I love oh, it. Oh no, I mean you're still Love it. Super into all the genitals. Yes. All of them. Oh yeah. So wait, this woman though, it was just Hot and heavy sex. You guys never were more than that, or you didn't. No. How come? I never was in general in my life. Uh, I, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I never took girls out. I was always like, uh, you know, we're out at night. Everybody's drinking, and even at this point, I think I was sober when I was sober when this happened with this girl. But I was just always about 
doing my own stand up, hanging out with my friends. And uh, like all through high school, I never had a girlfriend, but I mm-hmm. had sex many, many times. Yeah, no, I, I feel like you've made that clear. And then in college, I was drinking and I had sex with many, many, many more girls. And uh, I believe there was only one girl that I ever took out on dates in all that time. So then by the time you met your wife, had you made the decision that you wanted something more? Um. I had had then a three-year relationship with a woman where I lived with her, and uh, I knew that wasn't right. Pretty earlier on, then, I should have gotten it out out of it sooner. Right. What wasn't right about it? Well, I don't want to go too into it because she's in the entertainment world, and I don't know if she listens to the podcast. Okay. Let's just say we weren't made for each other. Gotcha incompatible but it was there were a lot of good things about it but then when i met my wife it was like oh my god this is so easy this is like how it should be you should draw energy from it and not be Mm -hmm. giving energy to it yes and uh i knew i i knew within 20 minutes i told i told my wife the woman who introduced us i told her after talking to my wife for 20 minutes i go i'm gonna marry your friend someday and we just saw that woman in New York. Uh-huh. And she's like, I remember you telling me that. I love that story. Yeah. And so, uh, but no, I, I didn't I didn't take women out very much. Maybe. Uh, but I'm just saying that it sounds like something must have changed for you to have gone from this, like, you just hook up, you don't want anything serious guy to I'm going to marry her one day. Yeah. I think underneath it all, I always knew that I wanted to get married, have kids. Right. I knew that I was that guy. You know, I just felt like my family was so central to my life and I couldn't imagine having gone through life without, you know, doing what you just did, procreating. Shut the way, my- that fucking <laughs> no, kid up. He's crying right now. He's not very happy. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to know, how is New York going? You are there working on season two of Crashing. Right. Filming in. Filming it. I'm writing for it. I'm doing an episode of it. You are. That's, yes. Did you write yourself in? I did not. <laughs> Judd wrote me in. And uh, it's been easy because that we I spent, well, I spent about four weeks here writing scripts, and then we went to New York for another five weeks and mm-hmm. continued writing. And that's where they started doing the casting and the location scouting and all that stuff, building sets. And now uh, this past Tuesday, we started uh, really shooting. So I left two days later to come to New York. <laughs> For my daughter's graduation from eighth grade. And then I go back Monday and it's like 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Wow. Every day. Wow. It's going to be crazy and it's going to be like that for three months. Where are you living? In uh, Williamsburg. Oh, that's so cool. It's pretty cool. Did, but did it, they put you up in a place or how does it work? They just gave me money for the summer and mm-hmm. said, take care of yourself, which is not enough money, but you know, I'm living large. In Williamsburg. I a, yeah, I got a three bedroom penthouse. Overlooking the river. Is this true? building with the... No. I was going to say, I didn't even have that in Williamsburg. It's a studio, but it's actually really nice. Mm -hmm. And I first... When I first got there, there was supposed to be a writer's strike on May 1st. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't know whether or not we were going to be starting work. We were supposed to start on May 3rd in New York. And everybody's in LA. So we're sitting there going like... I'm like, I'm not going to put a month down on an apartment and then find out the chances were like 50-50 there'd be a strike. Right. 
So I didn't want to waste the money, and so I didn't. And then, uh, so I had one day to get online, and I hadn't really even looked into it. Mm-hmm. So I just got on the map, and I found the closest place to work because I hate I hate commuting. Mm-hmm. And I pulled the trigger, and I don't know what was I was this thinking. like a Craigslist thing or no? Was it was a apartment Airbnb. Or? Okay, and I don't know what I was thinking, but I, I took an apartment with a couple in a room <laughs> in their apartment. Oh, so you're a roommate. So I had a roommate, two roommates. So I move in and it's like this, like the, the living room is the size of this studio, mm-hmm. if that. And then the bedroom was so small, it didn't have like a desk or a bureau or anything. Uh-huh. It was like a suitcase. And I was sitting on the bed cross-legged like a high school <laughs> freshman, you know, doing like my work on my laptop. Student. And uh, and I, I lasted like three days. Mm. And then I just went to them. I go, hey, listen, I got to... I got to move. I, I got to get my own place. And they were like, yeah, we, we were kind of wondering why you were here. Like, <laughs> you're 51 and you're like at a very successful job. Like, why are you here? That's amazing. And so oh, that's amazing. somebody from work hooked me up with this one, with this studio that's beautiful, but it's got uh, floor to ceiling, floor to ceiling windows. Oh, nice. High ceilings. All new washer dryer appliances. It's in a great neighborhood in in, in Williamsburg, but then and I'm sitting there going, "This is paradise," mm-hmm. you know. I mean, this is so good. The bed was comfortable, and it's all new furniture, and you know, there's a sports bar in the corner I can watch the games. And so I'm sitting there. I get the New York Times. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm reading it, and all of a sudden I hear clank, uh oh, clank, 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 and I'm mm-hmm. like, "What?" And I ignore it. Clank, clank. <laughs> Finally, get up. I walk over to the window and I see what I hadn't seen before, which is there's a giant metal recycling <laughs> wall, and there's a line of homeless people with shopping carts with bottles and cans. Oh boy! And they're pushing them in one at a time <laughs> all day, and I'm like, no! And so, and I just want to go down there and give them each two dollars and go. Here you go. Here's for the forty bottles you're not going to put in there right now. <laughs> Give me each two and just say, walk away. Let me read the goddamn paper. <laughs> um, so then I guess around six or seven, they roll down like this metal cover and they can't do it anymore. Oh, well, there you go. So it's not incessant. It's just almost. It's not. It's almost incessant. But, you know, if you close the window, you really get used to it. <laughs> hey, it's better than living with a couple. That's true. But you said you don't know what you were thinking, but I would really like to know what were you thinking in deciding that you wanted a, a room? I pictured like friends you know (laughs) and there'd be a giant living room with a separate kitchen and you know we'd i'd be in one part of the living room Mm -hmm. they'd be in the other part of the living room there was a couch (laughs) and that's it one couch and they were home at night you know and they're like a young couple he's a chef and she works at a hotel and they're very lovely place it was nice but there was an alpha male situation happening Uh. with me and the guy because the girl was very outgoing and we Mm -hmm. clicked you know so we're talking but he he was very very quiet dude, nice guy, but quiet. Mm-hmm. And so I always felt like he was challenging my status, which he had to. He was renting a room of his apartment out, right? Because he couldn't make the rent, so it puts him yeah. at a lower status. And I'm banging his wife, and he knows it, right? Right. No, it was a uh, it was a situation that needed to be. Re- they were very cool about letting me out so interesting this status thing Mm. him being a cuck and all 
I'm joking when I say that. Um, is that a thing that you think about all the time? Oh, yeah. Do all men? I don't know, but I do. I'm constantly thinking about my status towards other men. It's interesting because it's like like dogs. That's just autumn. It's just part of being a dog yeah. is either you're, you know, a, you're the alpha or you're not. And I, I wonder, are humans that way? I guess we are. Well, men are. I think so. I think it depends. Some people are alphas. I'm an alpha. So for me, it's definitely something that I've always had a hard time working jobs because if somebody has a higher title than me, then I feel like I always have to challenge them. I have that too. That has actually, it was a therapist that pointed out that apparently I have like a blind spot where that is concerned because I would be hired into a staff job and there would be, and it was always like the top person who hired me, Mm. but I was, I reported to someone above me and I would just kind of do end runs around that or either do end runs around that person or not quite respect Uh. them or feel, this is so unflattering to admit all this. It was a long time ago or feel like I should Oh, I should be in that position. I mean, come on. Like, we all know. Come on. Yeah. Because, like, the the big boss hired me because they saw me as a talent. But then that instantly created this, like, I was also a threat then to other people because I was brought in as this, like, you know, young whippersnapper. And I did myself no favors by also agreeing that, yeah, I am better. I mean, I was just kind of an asshole. Yeah, I yeah. I really, I didn't try to be, but just in looking back, I really should have respected the chain of command and the pecking order a lot more for my own sake because I yeah. did not engender goodwill being that way. No, I think you and I were very similar. This is at the same age we were both, you know, banging, eating, right. performing <laughs> flat and colon. Colon. <laughs> felon cun. Felon cun. <laughs> we were flatten and cunnelinged. I was a felon cullen. <laughs> and... It's a it's an ego thing. I think we were both yes. young. We had explosive egos, and we wanted it. I think we were both driven. Mm. I think there's a reason why we're sitting in a living room right now talking on two microphones. We can't work with other people. Like we have carved out a niche <laughs> yeah. in the world where we don't answer to anybody, nobody. Yeah, it it wasn't always that way for me, but I have ended up in a position where I don't have a boss. Yeah. But well, now you have a boss on. You have bosses on your new show. I do, and it is weird um, because I a lot of times when I work on a TV show, I'm the showrunner mm-hmm. or I'm the head writer. But in this case, this is a very. But those are usually like lower level shows. I remember this, when you told me about this job. I said, "Oh, that's so cool. Are you a showrunner?" And you laughed and said, "No." No, this is like <laughs> a big deal HBO show. Yeah. So they've got a re- really really good showrunner. This guy Judah Miller, and then there's another guy above me. Uh, Oren, who's very talented, and you know, and I don't feel in any way like I should be doing their jobs. I feel so grateful that they are doing their jobs, and uh, but it also puts me in a position of being beneath people, mm-hmm. and I'm not having a problem with that so far. It is harder for me to engage a hundred percent because, by definition, you shouldn't be engaging a hundred percent. Why? I mean, I guess you you should be writing 100%, but you shouldn't be trying to be proactive about production elements. Oh, right. Things that I have been in the past. Mm -hmm. So I have to stop myself and just go, no, just go in your office and write some more alternative endings to scene two. Well, are you talking about the fact that on a set or a union job, people kind of are supposed to stay in their own lane? 
like like on when I would do <clears throat> morning news, like if you know, if you want your mic adjusted, a specific person has to come do that. You aren't supposed to. It's do not that. that strict. I think it's just more of TV jobs have a they're especially on comedy. They're very lighthearted in nature. You're joking around all the time. It sounds like so much fun. It's so much fun. You're busting each other's balls. You got running jokes in the room all the time. You're writing funny stuff. You're laughing at each other's material. But it's like any job underneath it, you know, and we haven't we we haven't started production yet, so there's been zero drama. I mean, like everybody gets along great. I I don't even know where the drama would come from, mm-hmm. but you know I it mean, will because it does, probably from me. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, maybe it'll stay this smooth, but it is it's interesting because um you know, uh you you're trying to do the best job that you can and i think the secret to jobs like the position i'm in now is to just be a team player mm-hmm. and not want any credit you can't look for credit all you can look for is i want this show to be great and come back for another season and keep working on it and uh and i think i can do that because i'm this is the part i feel like is my strength which is punch up which is just thinking of other jokes mm-hmm. for the ones that are already in there because we have an opportunity to reshoot scenes. And, you know, if we nail it, then we can do it in another way. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's going to go great. How? What did you do to get this job? Um, fila- is it filet? Um No, I was um, around. I've known Pete Holmes and Judd Apatow for a long time. And um, they called me in and said, do you want to help out? We're going to do two weeks of brainstorming for season two. This is after season one. They weren't officially picked up for season Mm -hmm. two yet. Did some brainstorming. And I guess I had a lot of ideas they liked. They liked my energy in the room. And so when when they got ordered, they asked me if I wanted to write on the show. And I said, great. And then they asked me if I wanted to come to New York and do the on-set punch-up for three months. And I was like, fuck yeah, you know? And... So they've been really cool about, I, I get out once in a while to come home, see the kids, their understanding. And uh, otherwise, it's just, you know, watching Judd work is amazing. He's just, he's just a, you know, really brilliant dude. He really, he just sees things with such simplicity. Mm-hmm. You know, he really sees that, you know, a certain episode should have this energy and this storyline shouldn't go here because of that. And, you know, or, you know, this character choices, all things that you can't learn. You just, he, they're like in his gut, Mm -hmm. you know, from just doing it so many times and not, I mean, he he had freaks and geeks to begin with, you know, he just, he's just a brilliant guy. I had Jenny Connor, who's, um, showrunner, producer of girls. Do you know her? No. I had her on and she was talking about how Judd always emphasized the romance or emphasized emphasizing the romance. Like emphasize, you know, push the romantic aspects of the storyline. Mm. And then also there's there was a, a plot where a character got an abortion and initially that was in the first episode and he recommended against having that be in the first episode because mm-hmm. you don't know the characters yet. Mm-hmm. And I guess he said it would be like having Kramer shoot a puppy. Mm-hmm. Do they shoot fetuses now? That's how they do it. Wow. Yeah. So they do it from the side, I guess. You don't hit the women's organs? 
I think you go up through the vagina. Oh. It's a tiny, tiny gun. Uh-huh. It's, a a tiny, it's, it's a little bullet. It's the cutest gun <laughs> and the cutest bullet. Um, and use blue for boys and pink for girls. Yes, yes, uh, and yellow for you know Asian babies. <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes you can even keep the tiny gun. Yeah. Shellac it. Hang it from your rear view mirror. So are you missing your family? Very much. It's very hard. It really is. Um, I enjoy the shit out of them. And my son has just finished his sophomore year. So this is his second to last summer with us mm-hmm. before he's gone. And who knows if he comes back, you know, freshman year, he may go, st- go somewhere for the summer. and Right. And I really fucking love this kid. We went to the gym together, and he took me through his workout, kicked my ass. <laughs> um, we just hang. He, he helped me write jokes yesterday. I love that. Yeah, I had to write jokes for um, a scene, and it involved like younger material. And so I was asking him stuff about Harry Potter, and <laughs> and he had like jokes. He had like really funny jokes. And then I would tell him a joke and he would add something to it like and it should, went right into the fucking script following in his father's footsteps yeah he you know he does a podcast also i didn't know that him and five of his friends do a thing called the samo cast the santa monica high school podcast i'm gonna have to check that out it's not up yet they just they've been we've been taping it for months and they've been trying to find their voice they don't want to mm-hmm. put it up until they really found the show and it's smart they finally finished. They've got their first episode, and oh god, I got to supposed to do that today. I got to get them. Uh, I got to get them a host to upload it onto the Samo Cast. The Samo Cast. You know, so I there's two versions of this show. There's this the Monday version, and then on Thursday I have a panel, and two members of the panel are moving. They're a married couple. They are moving to Georgia. Oh, so maybe I will uh, graft off of the Samo Cast. That's not bad. What are you talking about? We got a we got a podcast coming out in. Uh, oh yeah, no. What I'm September saying, September one. Is that? Do we, we have a date? No. I always <laughs> just announce things about our podcast on the air. <laughs> the name. I'm glad we have a name and everything. No, no. I don't mean. No, of course we have our podcast. What I mean is, I need to find new people for oh, this podcast. Oh, so you're going to do three podcasts. Well, it, this is. It's two. One of them comes out twice a week and has two formats, which is this one that you're on right now. Right, but you'll do three episodes a week. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's I what think I mean. I'm going to go, I think Fitz Dog Radio is going to kick it down to one a week. Really? To allow room for loin fruit? Or just to allow room for your life? Yeah, I think what I might do is, um, what's that uh, money-making thing? Patreon? Patreon. I might do Patreon for occasional extra episodes. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to have the pressure of booking guests twice a week anymore. I can't right. handle it. It's right. Well, much. what about when you do those solo casts? Yeah. Because I, and I have to tell you, I've been thinking, I kind of want to try out doing a just me episode where I'm like taking questions from Twitter and potentially doing some news. But I don't want you to think I'm ripping off Sunday Papers because I am not. No. Sunday Papers is, it, it involves the crinkling of paper in between stories. Okay. It involves. Well, I'll do that. Thank you. The Sunday, <laughs> I do the Sunday comics at the end, which people really get a kick out mm-hmm. of, especially Blondie, because I have an erection for Blondie, and she is anime. She is sexual anime. <laughs> have you seen? Of I mean, her tits are time. like busting out of her shirt. Mm. Like the top button is always straining, and she's got these calves that like have like a shelf on top of them, and then they're like an hourglass, and 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 her hair, her lips. She's really. 
I don't even think I know what is it Blondie and Dagwood? Yes. And Dagwood is a piece of shit. He's a lazy bum. I got to Google. Bumstead, that's his last name. Dagwood Bumstead? Yeah. He lays around on the couch. He makes her get him sandwiches. He makes disparaging comments about her cooking, even though she like wears an apron and totally commits to the whole role of being a great wife who also does her hair. You would treat her better. All right. I'm looking at her. Yeah. Is her body shown? Yeah. Yeah. That's nothing. That's, she wears much more risque outfits than that. When is this from? Oh, God, like the 40s or 50s. Probably the 50s. Oh, look. Here's a, um, here she is getting married to that asshole. That asshole Dagwood yeah, Bumstead. Yeah, that is the biggest mistake of her life, that moment right there. So she's Blondie Bumstead? Yeah. I like it. Look, here yeah. they are kissing. Can you even stand it? Look at him. He doesn't even put that right hand on that tit. He's got it out. Yeah, I think that was doing? 1950s censorship. Okay. Like you can't this touch your tit. Hayes code. Yeah. Right here. Um, can you see look the Look here, he is sneaking up on her. Yeah. He's like a boy. He's like a little undeveloped boy, and she's like Marilyn Monroe. I'm, I've yet to see these I think she calves. was based on Marilyn Monroe. That would make sense. She looks like, she looks like a cross between Marilyn Monroe and Betty Boop. There, can you the see the calves? calves? are not yeah. developed in that one. No, maybe they hadn't maybe yet Maybe the decided. guy got more perverted as, as it got on. Those all look like really early ones. Yeah. Um, I look forward to seeing these calves one day because these, oh, well, here's a little more shapely calf action, but it's no, not. No, that's nope. not it at all. All right. Those are like cankles compared to how they are later. <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah. So I was at saying to you, because you're saying that it's too stressful to book guests twice a week. And I'm saying, what about just having not always do a solo guests? one? Yeah. Maybe I need to come up with a format where I do. Because, you know, Sunday Papers I sold as a uh, pilot. We're you sold that? a pilot. That's yeah. so cool. I yeah. knew that you were, I knew that there was a potential. I didn't know that you had for sure. I made a deal with a production company that we're going to shoot a pilot. That's awesome. And then go out and sell it to a network. What production company, or can you not say? I can say. It's um, Think Factory. I don't know if I know them. They've got a lot of shows on the air. They're very I'm sure I'm familiar hot. with their work. They're very funny. That's cool. When are you doing that? When I get back in this, uh, at the end of the summer. Oh, when we launch our podcast. Yes, there's going to be a lot going on. Yeah. I have a lot to come home to. I've only got a few stand-up dates in the fall. By the way, I got um, some stand-up dates Baltimore in August at the Creative Alliance. Come out and see me at Baltimore. And, uh, and then I'm coming in the fall to San Francisco, Phoenix, um, Dr. Grins in Grand Rapids, Michigan. All kinds of dates. Go to fitzdog.com. Was I supposed to wait till the end? Well, I don't mind. It I didn't fe- realize it felt that- like it flowed. Do you imagine Dr. Grins is a medical doctor or he has his doctorate in humor? So you feel the need to take down. I do a credit. I try to promote interest, give it legitimacy, and then you immediately undercut it with your comedic insults. Look, I'm impressed that you think that was a funny insult. I'm an interviewer mm-hmm. and I just- am interviewing you about this club that you're playing. I've played clubs called uh, Uncle Uncle Funnies, Yuck Yucks, The Chuckle Hut, Stitches, The Funny Bone. I mean, it's probably hacky to even talk about these names. Jesus. Is it? 
No, no, no. I'm not accusing you of being hacky. I'm accusing me. Like with my my stupid, right, stupid question. Yeah. No, no, no. I think it's. Uh... I think it's fascinating. People are fat. Obviously, people are fascinated by comedy. You've got crashing is on the air. You've got um, uh, I'm dying up here oh, I on Showtime. You've got um, there's so many shows that are about stand up comedy. Yeah, it's crazy. People are infinitely interested in the in the world, which is not as interesting as it's being made to be. No, I bet it's not. It's a like any other job, you know. It's tough. It's competitive. You show up. You do your best, and uh, and you never know when the break's going to come. You never know when something. It all seems to ebb and flow. Like I have times where nothing is going on for months, and then all of a sudden I'm turning stuff down and I'm trying to do three things at once. Are all the crashing writers stand-up comedians? Because I'm thinking of people um, I know, and many of them are. Most of them are. Yeah, most of them are. Ian Edwards worked on it. Beth Stelling. Um, Jamie Lee. Jamie Lee, who's now on the show. Oh, cool. She landed a big role. Nice. Yeah, she's playing... Uh, I Actually, I shouldn't say. I'm not supposed to give away stuff about the show. Mm-hmm. We were told on social media. but uh, we, You were told on social media or on social media you're not supposed to give it away? On social media, I'm not supposed to give it okay. away. They didn't just tweet you and say, hey, by the way. Well, I thought it would be funny to tweet every day from the show, kind mm-hmm. of giving updates, but I think that's not a, bad, I think that's not a good idea. Yeah. But I don't know what else I'm going to tweet about because that's going to be my life. I'm not one of those guys that can just write like, why are muffins and croissants fighting? You know, it's not me. <laughs> like just something are weird. Are they fighting? Well, people write weird things like yeah. that. <laughs> oh my God, please tweet that. Please right. tweet, why are muffins and croissants <laughs> fighting? <laughs> you know how you mentioned uh, Patreon? Yeah. Thank you for mentioning it because you guys, I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go for that. It's, it's awesome, and I love it. Uh, it's just unmitigated access to me, but also bonus episodes. There's a level, so it's there's different reward levels, and you get different rewards based on the level you're at. Um, lots of behind the scenes stuff. There's also a level where you have access to an exclusive interactive video stream with me, oftentimes other people as well. Uh, and there's a level where you get merch in the mail, fun stuff. Check it out. Patreon. Wait, what does that mean? Interactive. It means that they there's a chat room and they can be talking to me and then I respond to them. Got it. Mm-hmm. It's fun. And you can only get in that chat room if you pay the Patreon level. That is right. If you choose that level, there's a level where I have merch, merch in the mail. Merch in the mail level. Merch in the mail. We well, don't call it that, but we really should. We call I call it the official fan official fan club level, something like that. What's but it, that gonna run me? It's a little pricey. It's twenty five a month. Well, you know, my daughter wears that shirt to bed every night. Really? She wears your uh, ARIBF to bed. A R I Y N B F. Whatever. It's a really it's a really tough acronym. And whenever I see Mystery Science Theater three thousand M, what is it? M. MSTK3? Yes. My brain says Mastercraft. Yeah. Which, like, it's not what? Yeah. And it frustrates me. It Mm. frustrates me how much I can't connect what that, what MSTK3 looks like, 3K, whatever it is, and the title. And and yet here I am putting out an Erinth. Yeah. Whatever. I put out FDR. FDR. Fist Dog Radio. Oh, yeah. I think if I saw that, I would know, though. 
And we're going to be putting out an LF. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about that. So Loin Fruit, which I just found out is launching September 1st. (laughs) (laughs) It may be a little later than that because I'm going to hit the ground running and we're going to have to... We got a lot of things to still nail down. I know. That's what I was going to say. We need to talk about we, a lot of stuff. Yeah, I'm we, very excited, though. And people are very excited. People have been extremely generous yeah. in sending in logos, people offering to build the website, um, people offering to... Uh, what was the other thing that people do? Music. Music. We need some more we, music. We, yeah, we haven't gotten a lot of music offers. Mm. Um, so we could use some of that. Yeah. But I'm excited. Yeah, so we just need to nail down a few logistical things uh, off air. Yeah. But it's definitely happening. There were some people who were like, wait, is this really happening? Or is this just, okay, it was my parents. They thought it might have well, been Well, we might have announced a little prematurely, but I but think- But it that, is happening for It's sure. happening, yeah. yeah. And it's something that I'm thinking about all the time. I'm thinking of ideas while, while I'm in New York. It's something that I, I've always wanted to talk about parenting more because in a way, I feel like on my other podcast, I have a lot of- single dudes that listen Mm -hmm. and so i don't go into the parenting thing too often but it's my life it's the single biggest thing in my life and now that you've got a baby i feel like i'm so excited i've got to look at them and just think about you know what you're going through right now and the fucking yeah i'm so jealous just watching your husband hold the baby oh you know and i know it gets wears you down but like (laughs) it's just like here's this little compact bundle wrapped in skin with big eyes that just look at you and you're engaged it's just this amazing feeling and uh so i'm excited to like share with you like tips Mm -hmm, because i have questions for sure because there's all just the most basic stuff that you don't think about ahead of time of like how do i get him how much do i do sleep training versus just letting him figure it out and well all one that thing stuff. we started to talk about in there is you guys are going to these mommy and daddy me classes yes and uh we talked about how there is an element of wanting to show everyone else in the class how good a parent you are how excited you are about yeah. your child and how good you are and mm-hmm. You know, and and it's so fake that you can't ever, you never feel close to those people in that class because you're not seeing the real them and they know they're not seeing the real you. Right, right. And so you're really doing it for your kid. I, you got to take your shoes off. Yeah, what is up with all the shoes coming off? Because they do. And then you see like, I see guys that are barefoot. I never want to see a guy barefoot. Mm -hmm. And we're all like holding the kid's hand and making them walk around. Well, you're not there yet, but like. No, but we did go to, Daniel didn't go, but I went to a thing with other uh, moms and babies at the library that started with like walking in a circle with your kid or holding them and and then switching directions and then stop. Yeah. And then here we go again. And there's a lot of, lot of. And there's a lot of quasi theory behind it whoever's running the class mm-hmm. says it's really good for their brain to change directions because you're using the left side and the right and there's the momentum is good for their uh, you know uh, glands like there's all these stupid- there's a lot of stuff where i feel like but even if we didn't do it it's gonna happen anyway right yes <laughs> that's been yes. even though i'm happy to do it and i like the little community that sprung up around it where You've pointed out we're all being our phony selves. But, um, yeah, a lot of the stuff, it's like, they're going to walk anyway. They're going to walk. They're going to talk anyway. That's the thing that I don't know what the... I I guess for every parent, there's a different age 
where you realize that the kid is uh, an animal and throughout throughout mm-hmm. nature they're made I, I we dropped our baby once and we fucking freaked out it was it's nothing it's nothing you could you drop, drop your baby when the baby was a baby 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 oh that's one of my thank fears. god my wife did it yeah um i dropped my phone on elliot and i thought thank god i did this as opposed to daniel because yeah. i i was very horrified that it happened but if he had done it oh my god <laughs> yeah and, and yet he was so okay with he was kind to me regarding how awful i felt i think that your kid assuming your kid doesn't become a drug addict you really at the age of 18 when they leave for college you really just look back and you go i don't think i needed to do a lot of that shit Mm -hmm. like i think my kid was they say your kid is raised by his peers once they hit the age of like 12 like by 12 13 they're not learning from you anymore they're not hearing it Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you definitely are teaching them everything up to a point, but then you're just kind of corralling them and keeping them from getting into drugs, right. trying to do even grades. The school even says, don't help your kid with their homework. Oh, they, they say that? They say that part of their learning is regulating themselves and having the discipline. You should be looking at their grades, mm-hmm. setting you know standards for them that they, my, my kids are getting all A's. It's fucking amazing. My daughter had a 4.0. My son wow. had waited for waited with honors in AP classes. Mm-hmm. He has a 4.0. That's amazing. She is. Uh, she just got. Um, I'm not going to sit here and brag about my kids. They're doing extremely well. And you don't feel like. Let me rephrase. What part in all that? What role do you think you played? We've never had impossibly high standards for them. Mm-hmm. We've always just tried to make them feel like. And you 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 want to avoid saying things like you should be really proud or, you know, uh, I'm so proud. You have to just say... Why? Because then you they'll did be- that. Let them experience... That is the worst compliment ever. You Well, I, no, I guess it's not. You How do you that? feel? How do you feel about that? Are you, you asking me or no, that's you what you say to that. them? No, you say to them, you achieve that. Here's but look, the, you're it, like, you're like, you're you're getting into such a flat, zen not excitable space when you're saying that is that because part of they should oh, feel good you. about what they did not you do it for a, your approval you took a step yeah good do you know how good they felt that developmentally they just took a step sh- yeah i know they don't you need you jumping okay. up and down and cheering because then it becomes them doing things to please mommy and daddy i'm a big believer in sports shut the Fuck up on the sideline. Yeah. Don't yell to your kid. Great pass. They know they made a great pass. Let them process their emotions relating to their actions. I'm I'm really not happy. yours. I'm happy you're telling me this because as you're saying it, I'm remembering that feeling of like, well, now that you're making a big deal of it in a way, this is me being a child, to the adults. Like now that you adults are making a big deal of it. You're taking it away from me. They don't have the space to feel it themselves. Yeah. And I, I had forgotten that. So yeah. I guess you're right. Because I'm, I mean, he doesn't do anything and I'm telling him what a good boy he is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's impossible not to. Mm-hmm. But there, but you should minimize it as much as possible. Yeah. Because then you get a grandparent over and they're worse. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know. I just think that you can make kids neurotic by telling them too much about defining things for them too much. Right. Yeah, no, you're totally right. You're totally right because that was a thing I felt growing up is that I don't 
and I wouldn't have used these words, but like, I don't have space to have my own things. Mm. Like there were things that I didn't want to tell them because once I told them it like got, it through no fault of their own it, but it felt like it got taken away from me. Yeah. And now it's, it's a, their thing. Right. Where, yeah. Did you have, like, where did you learn this? Um, we went to this really amazing preschool and it's based on this Reggio technique, which is an Italian based, uh, developmental learning process where the kids are encouraged to solve their conflicts by themselves. Like the teacher doesn't jump in mm-hmm. and, and you know, and this is their, the kids are five years old. The teacher comes in and says, what happened and what do you need to do to make this right? And let the kids figure it out and do it. And they do. And so they grow very quickly in terms of their, their social skills grow very quickly. In the morning, they can choose what activity they want to do. They choose their, you don't say, all right, now you go to, you go from clay to mm-hmm. playgrounds. The kid, there's a sign up sheet and they sign up for which activities they want to do because that's how kids think. That's a, the kid should be able to do the thing that he's most interested in doing. Right. And then, you know, you sh- they, they get shifter and they got to pick another activity for later. Um, but there's all these things that that empower the child to be independent. That's really neat. I'm going to look into that. Reggio. Reggio. It's very big now in New York, apparently. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a mother in New York. She said, oh, yeah, everything's Reggio now. Well, maybe we need to move to New York. Well, I, I'm sure there's Reggio. I, I, I would, would find out if there's a Reggio program okay. near here. Do you already have your eyes on a certain preschool? No, no, no. Got to get a preschool. I know. Got to get the dip tet shots. I know. There's, oh. Um, yeah, the whole school thing, I don't, I haven't really begun, except that we've been looking at houses and- Buying a house? We haven't found one yet. Um, we want to though, except a little bit of concern- Patreon thing's really working out. (laughs) And there's a level where you can buy me a house. Um, there's a bit of, we have some concern that this might be the height of the bubble right now. That might be a good concern. Yeah. So I think that given- that everything we've looked at is really... I mean, and we looked a year and a half ago at a different time of the year, too. Well, listen, it's a brave new world. You know, who knows what's going to happen with Trump and uh, the world being in chaos. But Or, or the, the very distinct possibility that we're way overdue for an earthquake in Los Angeles. Would you hold off right now on buying? I because think it depends it's, on the situation. I think if you're going to yeah. buy and hold... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no doubt that in 20 years, when when you're going to sell the house, or 30 years, it will be above where it is right now. Right. Mortgage rates are historically low, even though they've ticked up in the last six months. They're still very low. I think you can still get a mortgage for like four and a quarter. Mm-hmm. So, so I would jump in. I would jump in because you're building equity as you do that. Yeah. And and rates could even dip again, and you you jump at a lower rate. Um, one smart thing to do is you buy a house that's got a guest house in the back, Mm -hmm. you rent that out. And then as you don't need that income later, you turn that into a studio. That is very smart. That's what we did. Our first house in Venice had a, a a duplex in the back with a two bedroom upstairs and a studio downstairs Mm -hmm. and then a two car garage that we converted to like a bonus space. And, uh, it's fantastic. It worked out great. But when you did that, did you feel like, oh yeah, we can comfortably pay this mortgage, or was it like, yeah, that feels a little bit nervous? Each no, month? it was a little nervous. Okay, a little nervous. And let's say that the you didn't have a tenant one month. Was no, that- you'll always have a tenant in L.A. Always. 
It's it will fill. Could be a fifty-one-year-old comedy writer. That's right. <laughs> Living with two other people. Okay, let's quick. I did not keep an eye on the time. Let's quickly do just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay. Leela Rolling Stone says, The straw hole in the lid of a fountain soda is way too sharp and always cuts holes into my straw. I have not I have not had a straw that has holes in it. You? It's the most frustrating thing in the world, and then what you try to do is you flip the straw down so that you get the hole submerged in the liquid so it still works. But that causes burping. If some water slips in there, right. you get burping. Right. Which I'm always amazed with, like, when whenever they show heroin addicts, or even, like, regular doctors, mm. <laughs> and they put the syringe in, and then they pull it out, yeah. and they push it back in again. Mm-hmm. Like, what if air gets into the syringe, and you pump air into your vein? Is that why they did pull it out and push it in again? Well, I know that if there's a tiny bit of air in the syringe you're okay if you're but not in the vein like if you're just giving your because i did a bunch of shots but in the vein i don't know i mean i can't i i i feel like i shouldn't even speak because i don't know i was gonna say i imagine a tiny bubble wouldn't matter but for all i know it that totally does matter yeah i don't know Hmm. we got to get a heroin addict on to talk about it Artie lang from crashing Get him on, but let's just ask him that one question. That's it. And then Maybe we'll Skype then be in. done. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, let's Although see. I don't think he shoots. I think he snorts it or something. I feel like he would tell us. Yeah, we can ask, we'll ask him two questions and that'll be one of them. Bruise by Dawn says, when I grab a set of chopsticks from the drawer, they have to be a matched pair. Okay, look. I don't even have a chopsticks drawer. My parents did. Growing up, there was a drawer... It was uh, it was like, it was like the drawer that it was an unloved drawer. It was yeah. in an inconvenient spot. Seldom, pe- pe- didn't go into it often. But it had the spoons that like weren't good enough to go into the regular yeah. spoon drawer. It had yeah. you know the mismatched old spoons, the ones that went into the uh, garbage disposal and got all chipped up. Right. Yeah, like the spoon that you would use if you're baking heroin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If you're cooking up some heroin. Yeah, it yeah. had the spices that weren't used enough to go in the spice rack. Cumin. It was like the overflow. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It um, wasn't batteries, though. It was kitchen no, related. Right. I mean, there's probably marjoram from 1974 still in that drawer. Is the garlic press in there, or is that a more used drawer? That's in a more used spot. Okay. But there's a really ancient ice cream scooper in there. There uh, might okay. be two ice cream scoopers in that drawer. What about a potato masher? No, that goes in with the garlic press. Yeah. Um, but there is a little drawer organizer divider thing in there that just has like a million chopsticks. And, and not... Uh, what about paper umbrellas? I don't think... No, I, there, I think there are paper umbrellas in a little paper... Oh, you know what else is in that drawer? Sorry, I'm jumping all around. Right. Toothpicks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Paper umbrellas go in the living room on the sideboard. Oh, if wow. if they have them for sure, I can't. I feel like they might, yeah. or they might not. But anyway, they have a dedicated spot for chopsticks, mm-hmm. and these are not the chopsticks you get from takeout. These are like they at some point in their marriage decided 
let's buy some chopsticks. Like varnished chopsticks. Yes, except that the whatever writing was on it has been wiped, washed off yeah. from years of chopstick well, the, well, friction. Well, Jews love the Chinese food, right? I guess, enough to have. I mean, for all I know, they registered for those chopsticks. Yeah. I respect that, and I respect them. Want you want to match them? I think it's like socks. You know, you want them. You want them to match up. I have turned my back on needing to have matched socks, and now I don't know if this is just something my husband tells me to. They're matched right now. I don't know if this is something my husband tells me to make me feel good about myself, or if it's true. But apparently, mismatched socks are kind of a sign of insanity. I could see that. I embrace it. Because once you say, I just need two socks, the world really opens up for you. Wait, so when you do laundry, you don't tie two socks together? You tie them together when you do laundry? Or you mean afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant you, they, they head in with a buddy. I throw a load in, honey. Could you knot up the socks? <laughs> <laughs> it's the sock buddy system. <laughs> no, I just lift them up in a handful and throw them in a drawer. Really? Yeah. That's utter chaos. It is chaos. It is. And lately my sock situation has not been so good because I was tired of not having enough socks that I liked because, of course, there's some that still are in my drawer and I don't like them. So I was like, I bought a shit ton of socks. And I don't know what happened because sometime in between then and now I'm back to like I just have a few pairs that I pairs you or, didn't get rid of the old ones when you brought no, in the new ones you got it i know you got it's gentrification of your drawer you i have trouble displace. letting go mm. i know all right let's just quickly do a few more here still can't get over the non-matching so well you wear boots so it doesn't really matter right oh much. if people were seeing my socks yeah i would i mean people other than my husband then i probably would match them could you imagine a situation where you would ever wear an unmatched pair not unless I was making a statement that day. What would the statement be? It would be, it's Halloween. <laughs> what did you dress as? A clown. <laughs> okay. What about this sock situation? Two of the same color, but you know they're not actually a pair. Can't do it. Can't I've... do it. Because to me, it's as much about the texture. I bought a pair of socks at a, at a Rite Aid <laughs> because my socks got wet. I went through a puddle or something. My socks were wet, mm-hmm. so I went into a Rite Aid and I bought a pair of socks. The only kind of socks they had were for varicose veins. Oh. It like holds your C- I guess compression it, hose. It, they're like yeah. compression hose, but they're white tube socks. Right. And so I bought them and I put them on. They're so soft and so f- and yet so strong. Mm. That's all I wear. They're my favorite go-to socks now. But even if it's like an Adidas, like Adidas socks suck because they have too much polyester and your foot sweats, so sweats too mm-hmm. much. Whereas, like, a good Nike sock really breathes. Yeah, you got to go majority cotton. You got to go as cotton as possible. Mm-hmm. James Leroy Wilson says, after hearing a three-word, a three-syllable word that ends in Y, I want to sing and ivory. Like, Ebony. Or savory. Tuscany. I like it. I never do that, but I like that you do. Trebly. Like, mm-hmm. this sounds so trebly. Well, the problem is, is most LYs are adverbs, mm-hmm. but for it to work with the ebony and ivory, you need a noun. Right. It's truly a challenge. Yeah. It truly is. Patrick Ryan says, just mirror everyone. Hey, Patrick Ryan. How are you, <laughs> lad? Welcome to the podcast. 
<laughs> Guy who jiggles his leg and taps his bottle heavily on connected airport lounge seats equals murderous rage, right? Are you that guy? You mean on an airplane, the guy sitting next to you? Or no, the guy on in the, the lounge? On, when you're in the lounge, you know how there's those, it's like the seats that are all connected? Yeah. So if one person is shaking their leg, you're going to feel it. I think that your your eye needs to be on the prize at this point. You're thinking about the flight. You can't be thinking about what's going on waiting to get on the flight. Everybody's jittery. Everybody's walking around. People are having cocktails. You're bouncing your leg. You know, you got to realize that you're about to, you're going to commit to somebody sitting next to you in a few minutes. That's the one you should be focused on. That's smart. But I agree with you, Patrick. And lastly, (laughs) four degrees says drool like a waterfall when I nap, but not a drop when I sleep at night. Oh, I really something something went wrong for me to drool. And this is coming from a person who wears mismatched socks. So, like, I'm comfortable with chaos. But I don't think I drool very often unless I'm sick and my mouth is open. In general, though, I'm not a drooler. I drool like a motherfucker. Sleeping and napping? Sleeping and napping. But I would agree. Napping more. Maybe you go into a a lower REM state than... uh, Maybe you go deeper than REM when you're napping. Where are you napping? Um, I nap sitting up sometimes. (laughs) I can well because I meditate, and sometimes I fall into a nap while I'm meditating, mm-hmm. which you're not supposed to do. Right. But they say if you do, I said to I said to a uh, an instructor once, "What if I fall asleep while I'm napping?" And she goes, "Means you're tired." That's all. That's a good answer. Um, but what freaks me out is how much I drool in a hotel, and I realize. Most people are drooling on the same pillow that I'm pressing my face against for eight hours. And it's how is that different than somebody leaning over the pillow and spitting? Ugh, night after different. night, yeah. different strangers spitting on a pillow that you lay your face down on. And I see people sometimes walking into a hotel and they've got a pillow under their arm mm-hmm. and they've got a cooler. And I'm always like, what do you not get about a fucking hotel? They've got a <laughs> fridge, they've got pillows, they got right. everything. But then you maybe. realize, like, maybe I should start bringing a pillow on the road. I never really thought about that because, they, yes, they are changing the sheets and washing them, but they're not washing that pillow. You ever get a, you ever get a whiff of a gamey pillow? <laughs> no, but this morning when I picked up my son, his head smelled like feet. Oh. That was weird. Jesus. And I thought, what the hell happened? And then I realized, thankfully, it wasn't his head. It was his shirt. Mm. He had thrown up on his shirt. I don't know what I'm thankful about in that situation. I guess I'm thankful that his head doesn't smell like dirty mm-hmm. feet. Yeah. It's just his clothing. Because yeah. I could change that. You can't change your kid's head. No. I mean, don't try. That would hold him back in life. <laughs> um, he would have probably. to wear, He'd have to wear like a scented hat for his whole life. <laughs> Greg Fitzsimmons, it was so nice having you on the show. I loved being here. I always do. I'm looking forward to loin fruit in the fall. Me too. And um, I believe I believe publicly I heard or saw you say late summer, but I think fall is late summer, is it not? September first is late summer. I mean, usually Labor Day is, isn't it? The week is it after I never September know. First, I guess I sometimes it's before September first. I that one it's my favorite holiday. I love Labor Day. Really? Yeah, because like the end of the summer, and you know you're kind of chilled, and you're. Your party is looking forward to the fall. I don't know. I find it's quiet. You go away somewhere. It's not as crowded. Mm. People have wrapped up their summer already. 
Well, I look forward to that happening whenever it happens. Yeah. I think you already said your dates. Anything said else? Said my dates. Talk? No, just uh, Fitz at Greg Fitz Show on Twitter, F I T Z Show on Twitter, and um, Fitz Dog Radio twice a week. Just had Ari Shafir on this past week and um, Bobby Kelly. And subscribe to what you're listening to right now. iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen.